welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. Today is the first of a few World Thinking Day episodes. World Thinking Day is a Girl Scout and Girl Guide international holiday that takes place on February 22nd of every single year. So it's coming up quickly. So I wanted to do a couple episodes about World Thinking Day. Now, I'm going to do some additional episodes here in the next couple of weeks covering badge requirements and activity suggestions for World Thinking Day and the Global Action Award. But this episode is going to be about something else. Uh, So I don't know if you are aware of this or not, if you are in some of the Facebook groups or um, in kind of the inner circles of your council, Um, leadership or your service unit leadership, you may be aware that this year in particular, but for the past couple of years, it's kind of been mounting, there is a little bit of controversy surrounding World Thinking Day in the U.S. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the controversy and the debate today and why there's been some changes to the traditions of how we recognize and celebrate World Thinking Day and what the appropriate ways are to celebrate and to enjoy our global sisterhood of Girl Scouts and Girl Guides um, all around the world. So I want to start with saying Girl Scouts has always been a relatively forward-thinking and progressive organization. It was founded in a time in 1912 before women in the U.S. even had the right to vote. Um, And it was already obviously a very girl power feminist organization. And um, even though Juliette Lowe was not herself a suffragette, which is interesting and I think really captures the... uh, blend of conservative values, but also forward-thinking, progressive values that are kind of both wrapped into Girl Scout culture at its core um, with historical context very well. So if there are girls listening to this, basically what that means is Juliette Lowe wanted girls to consider careers and she wanted them to develop skills and experiences and life skills and survival skills, just like boys were learning and getting exposed to. And she wanted them to have a sisterhood of other girls and women who empowered each other and supported each other and encouraged each other. Um, But at a time when women were fighting for the right to vote, she was not one of the women who was fighting for women's right to vote. And that's just kind of an interesting dichotomy where she was a feminist, but like not a super feminist. (laughs) Um, So Girl Scouts was also a pretty early organization that was fairly inclusive and um, diverse. So not immediately, but fairly early on and definitely still at a time of segregation in the U.S. Girls from uh, non, let's say girls of color um, as a whole, but specifically black girls were uh, able to join Girl Scouts and um, fairly early on, there were also troops where white girls and girls of color would be in a troop together. So this obviously took steps, right? So initially it was an activity for white girls. And then um, when girls of color could start to join, they had specific segregated troops. 
but they were at least allowed to join and they were working on the same badges and the same activities. And then, and um, women of color were volunteering. And so they were volunteering at the same level and um, helping girls in the same way. And then um, eventually, of course, we had integrated troops, which we still have today where any girl can join. It's also historically been a pretty progressive organization as far as thinking about um, inclusivity when it comes to different mental and physical abilities for girls. So uh, the U.S. in general is fairly forward thinking compared to a lot of the world because a lot of our construction is a lot newer, et cetera, as far as being accessible for people of all different physical and mental abilities. But still, it's kind of sad that the U.S. as it stands is considered one of the leaders in accessibility because it's still not very accessible. But Girl Scouts specifically has been an organization that's always been or I guess I should say has historically been very inclusive when it comes to girls with different physical and mental abilities and a little bit ahead of the curve of um, fighting for more inclusivity and accessibility for all girls. So to an extent, Girl Scouts has always been fairly forward thinking and progressive. However, um, they are not considered a political organization. Now, with that being said, obviously, there's quite a bit of feminism and girl power. There's diversity, there's inclusion. And in the current program, there's also quite a bit of going green and sustainability. So a lot of those are platforms in uh, left leaning political uh, perspectives. However, the organization itself is technically apolitical. They don't support any particular candidates. Um, they don't encourage you how to vote. They just encourage that you should vote um, and so on and so forth. So I like this balance in the organization. I think that personally it aligns very well with me and who I am with a nice balance of um, being human rights oriented and uh, caring about taking care of each other as humans, but also the world that we live on as far as the environment and sustainability goes, but also maintaining a kind of slow progression. And I like the fact that it really is trying to create a safe space for all girls and all families that um, that have girls that no matter what their political leanings are, there's a safe space for them. Obviously, we know that there are some organizations, alternative organizations that have been created in the spirit of scouting for girls that are quite a bit more conservative or religious oriented, um, but Girl Scouts tries to stay politically neutral. So with all of that being said, oh, one other thing that I wanted to include about Girl Scouts historically being fairly progressive and forward thinking and caring about human rights and all that is that Girl Scouts was one of the earliest youth serving organizations to actually come out and have a statement about including girls and volunteers of any um, sexuality and um, as long as they identify as girls. So it's inclusive to um, a whole spectrum of LGBTQ girls and volunteers. So I think that that's pretty powerful, a pretty powerful point as well, that they came out and made a, state, a statement. And especially when you compare to the um, 
exact opposite organization, Boy Scouts, um, because they tend to be lumped together so often. However, Boy Scouts is traditionally a very conservative organization, and obviously they are making some progress with making, you know, public statements and taking public stands about human rights and so on. And this is not in any way a Boy Scout bashing um, episode or rant. I, I really am not involved with the Boy Scouts at all, so so this isn't meant to be really conversational much about the Boy Scouts, except just to say that Girl Scouts has been probably about a decade or several decades ahead of the curve when it comes to major scouting organizations and um, how they kind of are forward thinking and progressive and, and trying to be on the right side of history as far as human rights go and inclusion and uh, diversity and, and equity. So the point of World Thinking Day, it is actually, like I said, an international um, an internationally recognized holiday for WAGS, the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts. There are over 150 countries that are part of WAGS that participate in World Thinking Day. And World Thinking Day is meant to be a way to celebrate with girls all over the world by doing similar activities around a shared theme. Girl Scouts and guides, as I said, in 150 different countries are learning and taking action about a predetermined theme, which in theory, well, then having that many girls and women across the world focused on the same topic, it will help progress and improve the lives of girls and women all over the world. So the 2020 World Thinking Day theme is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, whether you've been involved for one month or several years, you may be a little bit confused about this because when you hear the term World Thinking Day, you might think first about a kind of go-to tradition in the U.S. to recognize World Thinking Day as a world fair where different troops represent different countries and um, they basically learn about the culture and the history and Girl Scouts and guides in that country. And then they plan a booth at a big fair that other troops then attend. And they have sort of like a passport that they go around and they get stickers or stamps as they learn about these different countries all over the world. So it's a little bit curious because this tradition goes back more than a decade. We definitely had it um, when I was a kid, which... I probably participated as a kid closer to 2025 years ago in this kind of tradition. So I don't know exactly when the tradition really started or when it became kind of the standard for celebrating Thinking Day. But um, and again, it used to be called Thinking Day. Now it's really referred to as World Thinking Day. They added the world um, in the late 90s, I want to say. Um, and basically, um what I'm trying to say is I don't know how long ago this really became the standard tradition for Girl Scouts in the U.S. And this is specifically in the U.S. This is not globally that people are doing this. This is literally just Girl Scouts in the U.S. are um, recognizing World Thinking Day with this fair that often really has very little or nothing to do with whatever the annual theme has been determined to be. And um, so it's a little bit confusing because really that has nothing to do with the point of Thinking Day. So um, 
or very, it's a stretch for what it has to do with thinking day. It's, uh, yeah, it's limited. So in recent years, people have pushed back in the Girl Scout community um, for a couple of reasons. One, because that's not really the point of World Thinking Day. So you're not actually earning a World Thinking Day award or a Global Action Award by participating in a World Thinking Day fair. But also there is a certain level of inappropriate uh, representation of different cultures and uh, specifically disadvantaged minority cultures by a dominant culture um, at these fairs. And so we call this appropriation. And I want to talk about this a little bit. Don't turn this off. Don't tune me out. I just want to use this episode. I'm not trying to convince you of anything or complain or make this a political statement. I'm really not. I simply want to share with you and try to explain why people have pushed back and why it's been pushed back to the point that GSUSA has actually quote unquote, taken action. And I don't think there's been any kind of official statement or anything like that, but there's been pressure on councils and service units to cancel this fair and why that is. And the uh, quote unquote official reason, I guess you could say, is really that it really doesn't have anything to do with World Thinking Day. It's not that's not the point of World Thinking Day. And let's go back to the actual point of World Thinking Day in order to earn the actual badge and not get distracted by calling something World Thinking Day that has nothing to do with the actual holiday. Um, but there is also the added point, pressure point, that uh, in 2020, this is significantly less acceptable for participating in kind of the demonstration of other cultures the way that we have been. So I just want to explain it a little bit and what people's perspective is. So don't don't turn this off if you are feeling triggered or frustrated or annoyed at the term appropriation or whatever. I just want to talk about what the controversy is and why people have pushed back. So cultural appropriation, which is sometimes also called cultural misappropriation, is the adoption of elements of one culture by members of another culture. And it becomes controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from disadvantaged minority cultures. So specifically, we're talking about examples like art, literature, iconography, and adornment. So a common example of cultural appropriation is the adoption of the iconography of another culture and using it for purposes that are not intended by the original culture and could even be offensive to the culture that's being misrepresented. So obviously, girls and volunteers in Girl Scouts are well-meaning. Obviously, there's never been an intention to be hurtful or offensive um, at these World Thinking Day fairs, but um, (laughs) it does happen every year where there are troops who what they're doing is and how they're participating is a little bit culturally and socially unacceptable at this point in, in 2019-2020, unfortunately. Um, so, again, I know no one meant or intended to be hurtful or offensive. Of course, they're Girl Scouts. Um, so that's hence why we're leaning on. This is not the point of World Thinking Day, so that's an easier reason. Um, But I just kind of want to say what you intend 
or don't intend does matter. But if what you're doing is perpetuating something harmful or hurtful or offensive, then um, it's still a problem, (laughs) whether you meant for it to be hurtful or harmful or offensive or not. Um, And also part of the reason why I want to talk about this today is because you may not even realize what you should or shouldn't be doing. And especially in a culture like we're living in in 2020, where there are people who are so, I don't know, I'm just going to say snowflakey. I would consider myself part of this snowflakey culture. So I say this somewhat tongue in cheek. I always say there are worse things you could call me than a snowflake. So go ahead and call me that. But um, people are very quick to call other people out on things that they're doing being harmful instead of coming at it from a togetherness progressive how do we do this together and uh, how do we be informative and educational and helpful Um, and especially when it comes to how are we informative and educational and helpful to our girls when we maybe don't necessarily have a good grasp or a good set a good example in our own adult society that's just kind of hard but anyway With all that being said, I do feel like I see every year that there are girls and volunteers who are well-intentioned but accidentally step into a place of appropriation at World Thinking Day. And I still think the tradition of that World Fair with all the different um, countries and cultures represented is really fun. I think it's fun. And for us, it falls right during cookie season, which is true for a lot of councils. And that's been really frustrating because very few of my girls have had a chance to participate in these world fairs and the ones who have have thought they're really, really fun and interesting, but cookie booths tend to get in the way. So um, I'm sad that our council's not participating in any in it anymore. I understand why, but also if there was a service unit level um, or a volunteer driven um, event like this, I would be encouraged to participate because I thought it was fun as a kid. And I think taking my girls there as an adult has been fun Um, so it's a fun tradition. So if you feel frustrated and disappointed by this tradition, this traditional event being canceled, I'm with you. I think it's sad too. However, I also understand why. Okay. So many councils have responded to the increased pressure and criticism of this tradition by re-emphasizing the actual point and purpose of World Thinking Day. So I just want to reiterate Um, The actual point and purpose of World Thinking Day is for girls and women all over the world to be focused on the theme at the same time, because if they're all learning about and taking action on the same theme that's affecting girls and women all over the world, then the lives of girls and women all over the world will get better because all of these Girl Scouts and Girl Guides in 150 countries are all collectively working on that same challenge or obstacle facing girls and women at the same time each year. And this year, again, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So if 150 countries of Girl Scouts and Girl Guides are all learning about and focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, then um, of course we're going to make the world a better place for girls and women all over the world, right? That is the point of World Thinking Day. So eliminating this event from their calendars is more in response to the fact that uh, that is not the actual point or purpose of World Thinking Day. It's it, it, it doesn't really correspond to anything in particular um, that is actually official in Girl Scouting. And um, in addition, in the spirit of the actual theme, it's just kind of ironic that the actual theme is diversity, equity and inclusion. And uh, 
yeah, ex- examining why are we participating in this event that can accidentally step into harmful, hurtful, or offensive territory. Um, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, we need to walk the walk and, and in addition to talking the talk. Okay, so some councils and service units are still doing this activity. So your council or service unit might still be participating in the fair. Maybe you've heard nothing about this. You didn't even know other people were canceling it. Your troops fast tracking your plans for whatever country you're representing or your troops just looking forward to going or whatever. Um, Some volunteers have been participating for a very long time. So it can feel like an important tradition and an important aspect of Girl Scouts. Just to reiterate, when I was a kid in Girl Scouts, it was a popular event even back then. My mom has memories of Thinking Day. So how do we, if we're participating, how do we do it appropriately? Um, If we want to do activities like this, or if we are participating in activities like this, either in lieu of the traditional council fair, or if it still is, if your council's still doing it, how can you participate appropriately, effectively, and with high impact leadership for your girls? And it's important to note, it is part of the GSUSA World Thinking Day requirements, which I'm going to cover more in another episode, to connect by learning about the global sisterhood of which they are part. So participating can kind of count as sort of one of the requirements of the actual World Thinking Day badge um, if it's done appropriately and effectively, right? So, okay, with that being said, basically what I'm saying is if you want to participate, I support you. I I also love participating in this and I wish that we could participate in my area. There just isn't one and I'm not going to run it. So if we have the opportunity to participate, there's just some basic guidelines I want to go over really quickly that will help ensure that in the spirit of diversity, equity and inclusion, we are um, participating appropriately. So number one, blackface is never okay. So blackface refers, it's a term that refers to specifically I'm just going to lay it out there. White people painting their faces black in order to play or portray or represent a person of color. Um, That's literal blackface, right? But really what blackface refers to beyond just that specific act is don't dress up as an ethnic stereotype. Um, Someone else's culture or race Um, especially an offensive idea of it, should never be a costume or the butt of a joke. So the question is, can you dress up appropriately? If you don't mean for it to be a joke, you want to demonstrate something that's authentic um, and your girls to have an experience and to be able to show other girls um, a traditional ethnic or cultural or racial, um, authentic garb, how can you do that um, in an appropriate way? So the number one thing is if you're part of the culture itself, then you can dress up that way. So if you are, for example, talking about India or China or whatever country, um, Mexico, and you have a girl in your troop who's from India or China or Mexico, or whose family is from India or China or Mexico, then it is going to be a lot more appropriate for her to, A, um, dress in her own cultural dress, and also 
uh, if she wants to share that cultural dress or if her family wants to share that cultural dress with the troop, that's going to be more okay. Similarly, if you're assisted or supported by someone of the culture itself, it's probably okay. So maybe not necessarily somebody in your actual direct troop community, but you know someone or somebody in your troop knows someone or you find someone who um, wants to come and actually teach your troop about um, the cultural dress from their culture, then that's going to probably be okay. Um, And if what you are wearing is actual authentic wear and not a costume or a knockoff or something you found on Amazon that kind of looks like it, then... um, then that's also going to be important. So if you bought it on Amazon or in a costume shop, it is not appropriate, right? So we're just going to lay that out there. That would be considered a costume. Honestly, the best thing, unless the girl who's dressed up is part of the culture itself, it is best to avoid dressing up in costume altogether. Culture is not a costume. Just avoid it. If you want to show different traditional or cultural or ceremonial symbols and clothing, then how about displaying photos or have the authentic items displayed on a mannequin or on a display board or in a shadow box instead of on the actual girls or volunteers themselves? Does that make sense? Again, if you're going to display it, you don't want to buy it off Amazon or from a costume shop or something like that. But if you have something that is an authentic uh, symbol or clothing item, then you could display it instead of wearing it. And that's just going to be more appropriate and more respectful. Okay, number two, it's important to pay homage to artistry and ideas and acknowledge their origins. So it's not that we shouldn't learn about other artists and ideas um, from all around the world and all these different cultures, etc., Uh, We want to learn about the artistry and ideas and origins of other cultures, but it's important that we are paying appropriate respect and acknowledging, again, acknowledging the origin. So if we go back specifically, for example, to cultural wear, why don't your girls learn about the origins of those items or icons or symbols, why they're significant, how they are currently worn and why, and why it's important. And maybe they can even learn the names of artists or creators or designers that are authentic to the culture. (laughs) And then older girls uh, in particular might even compare those actual individuals to Western interpretations, which, again, would be considered appropriation. So for an example, think about a Chinese inspired dress that might be worn as part of pop culture in Western society. So it's designed by an American or European designer. It's worn by an American or European citizen or pop culture icon, like at an award show or a fashion show. So have older girls in particular compare that interpretation or misappropriation to the actual Chinese traditional wear that aspired it in the fir- inspired it in the first place, and then learn more about the authentic original. Does that make sense? Okay, number three, don't adopt sacred artifacts as accessories. Basically, if something is sacred to another culture, it should not be used as 
of course, a costume, which we already covered, or an outfit accessory. So headpieces, jewelry, and makeup all might apply in this category. So like in number two, focus on learning with your girls about the actual authentic version. And then especially with older girls, explore why adapting something that's considered sacred in another culture is inappropriate to then start wearing. Um, It should go without saying, but unfortunately, it happens with well-meaning troops every year. Do not dress your girls up in a sacred headdress, a headpiece, makeup or body paint, and so on and so forth. Photos and videos from the actual culture used in a sacred circumstance would be way more appropriate. So like henna tattoos are not an appropriate activity to provide at your booth. Learn about the origins of henna and when henna is used, And it doesn't matter if the girls can go get it done at the boardwalk. It doesn't make it okay for you to do at World Thinking Day. And again, the only potential exception here uh, would be if someone in your troop community or someone who volunteers to help your troop with this event is from the actual culture that you're studying and representing. And if they do the activity or tradition with your troop or with other troops at your booth, that's better. Um, But if you aren't part of that culture and you can't bring along anyone that is, just don't do it. Also, don't just ask someone to do an activity that would be considered ceremonial or sacred to their culture. Let them tell you what they feel is appropriate for the occasion. Number four, remember that culture is fluid. This gets a little hard to explain at a fairly basic level, but I'm going to try to summarize. Basically, especially when you're working with younger girls, it's maybe sometimes a little easy to just kind of summarize an entire culture using a few key symbols or traditions. But those symbols and traditions are fluid and vary over time and location and context. And it's important when girls are learning about other cultures that they also have an understanding that it's all relative. So, for example... Let's use a pretty Western idea of celebrating Christmas. First of all, not all people in the West celebrate Christmas. That's a pretty obvious start. Many people even listening to this probably do not celebrate Christmas, right? But even those who do celebrate Christmas all do it in a different way. Another specific drilled down example, Christmas trees are fairly common, but what kind of trees and how they're decorated and what they're used for and what they represent completely varies. Exchanging gifts is also common, stocking, specific food traditions, but in general, girls in the U.S. will have a pretty reasonable understanding that A, not everyone in America celebrates Christmas, and B, those who do all celebrate it in their own way, and therefore Christmas specifically, and also any of the cultural icons or traditions or ceremonies associated with Christmas, do not represent America or American culture. They don't. Um, even though sometimes in December in the retail world, it feels that way, but it, it, girls would even say that that does not summarize American culture, um, because not everyone in America celebrates Christmas first and foremost, and also because those who do all do it differently. So using this example as a super basic accessible example Every single cultural icon, tradition, ceremony, and symbol can be interpreted and participated in differently. Also, a cultural icon, tradition, ceremony, or symbol does not define a culture ever. Girls need to have an understanding that culture is something that's fluid, aka there is a lot of historical and contextual influence that at heart we are all people. And things we might outside of someone else's culture looking in 
might use to define or understand or categorize another culture is just one single element of a larger picture of humanity and the fluidity that comes with that. Okay, I don't know if I'm doing this topic justice, so hopefully this makes sense. Number five, don't forget that appropriation is no substitute for diversity. So this one is probably a summary of why the whole tradition of the World Fair for World Thinking Day has been largely canceled this year in particular, because this year's topic is diversity, inclusion, and equity. <laughs> we study other cultures in an attempt to be inclusive and to understand and embrace diversity around the world, but a bunch of American Girl Scouts in a gymnasium with booths, with different flags and costumes and activities is not actually the same thing as celebrating diversity and inclusivity or even learning about it. So more on this in another episode coming soon where we'll cover the actual badge requirements and activity recommendations for the actual topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But again, just a summary here. People get entire PhDs in these topics, so summaring, summarizing many points in one podcast episode is it just has to be super surface. Okay, number six, engage with other cultures on more than an aesthetic level. So sometimes we find or learn about things we love to engage with about other cultures. Maybe we love their music or their food or their clothes or their hair or their makeup, but it's important that we learn not just about the things we find fun or aesthetically pleasing, but also that we learn about the issues, challenges, frustrations, and obstacles facing people who are part of these cultures. It's not okay to care about rap music and dreadlocks without caring about what hurts, upsets, offends, or creates systemized oppression for Black people, just as one example. And I know I have some Black listeners, so I'm not trying to say that all Girl Scouts or my whole audience is white. And obviously, Black culture is not a booth at World Thinking Day. But white people are generally the ones who are we're talking about when we talk about appropriation and misappropriation, because by definition, it's about using minority cultures as a costume or form of entertainment. Similarly, you might love tacos and quesadillas and guacamole, but that doesn't make it OK for you to appreciate those things about Hispanic culture and to not care about what hurts, upsets, offends, or creates systemized oppression for Hispanic people. So just some examples. Um, I also want to add here, I am not trying to offend anyone or to be a party pooper or to be too easily offended. I know that some people have already stopped listening or they've taken to Facebook groups to complain or they're listening to this thinking, we are making a way bigger deal then it needs to be out of a harmless, fun event for young girls, and you're just rolling your eyes with every point. But this is my exact point, okay? We spend so much time learning about other people's cultures like they are a form of amusement or entertainment, and the people and their culture are quite literally on display for us to participate in a fun activity and call it learning and then move on with our everyday lives. But truly learning about other cultures and people around the world or even within our own country means understanding the whole picture. And this is particularly tough with little ones, I know. So figuring out the balance with the youngest Girl Scouts, um, when we struggle to do a really good job leading by examples as adults, uh, that's, that's hard. But again, GSUSA has outlined badge activities and requirements actually separately for DBJ versus CSA. So I'll outline in another episode coming soon a little bit of the progression for how you can incorporate this understanding and the depth of this topic 
differently as girls get older because, again, this is the theme this year. Okay, number seven, treat a cultural exchange like any other creative collaboration. Give credit and consider royalties or payment. So I've mentioned a few times in this podcast that if no one in your direct troop community is part of the culture you're learning about, that maybe you can pull someone in to help your troop learn or even help other troops learn at your actual booth. Having a representative from the culture you're learning about is a great easy way to give direct credit, so to speak, to the actual origins of the cultural traditions, activities, and art. However, even if you don't have someone participating in the fair with you who is from the culture you're representing, I just want to reiterate what I said earlier about making sure girls know actual identities of artists, designers, contributors, etc., who are major influences on the actual original cultural icon, symbol, tradition, ceremony, activity, and so on. And they should be able to communicate that at their booth for other Girl Scouts to see and learn, and then they can look up people specifically if they want to learn more on their own or so that they can follow and support them and if you can and their contribution is you know appropriate in this sense if someone does support your troops booth from the actual culture you're representing at the fair consider paying them and most definitely give them credit so they are appropriately supported and attributed another example here Maybe your girls learn about cultural art in another country and they learn about some patterns and iconography that is culturally significant or popular and they want to mimic that on their signs and posters for their booth. So rather than having the girls try to draw and duplicate that themselves, consider purchasing actual graphics from authentic designers and artists in that country or hire an actual artist from that culture to help create those um, images and graphics. Or if they're open to volunteering their contributions without you know, getting paid, that's okay too, but make sure that you are giving them lots of public credit so that if people like their art, they can go follow and support them. Hopefully this helps a little bit with understanding A, why the World Fair tradition is dying out this year, and B, if you do still have one or are participating in one, Hopefully this episode will help you participate in a culturally appropriate way that is also adhering to the actual theme of diversity, inclusion, and equity. I'm almost afraid to ask on this episode because I don't know how many people are going to be fired up about this topic, but if you found this informative and helpful, please take a moment to leave me a review. I want this to be relevant to not just how to participate in Girl Scouts from a high impact perspective, but also to be informative about the different news and information and challenges facing the Girl Scout community and the Girl Scout organization. And I think the controversy, the controversy and debate around this particular tradition and event is relevant. And I also think that I've seen quite a bit of discussion in the past couple years in Facebook groups and and things like that, where volunteers are discussing this exact topic. They're on either side, um, either defending the event or criticizing the event. And so I think that it's a relevant topic that is being discussed in the Girl Scout community. And I, I wanted to take some time to talk about it. 
If you hated this episode and you hate this conversation and you hate this controversy, then I hope that you'll still tune in um, for future episodes where we talk about less controversial topics and more just about the program as it's written and how to lead your girls um, effectively within the confines of the program as it's written. And uh, yeah, so make sure you hit subscribe, share this if you like it, and uh, let me know what you think. All right, that's all for now.